Discover the Mediterranean secret to optimal health and longevity with GMT 23 Greek Mountain Tea from Terry Naturally. These capsules are stronger than a cup of brewed tea and support overall health, including liver health, digestion, and cognitive function. Now for the first time ever, this botanical is available in supplemental form in the United States. Find GMT 23 Greek Mountain Tea at your local health food store or terrynaturalvitamins.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Tracy Trost is a visionary filmmaker, storyteller, and exceptional leader who has established himself as a prominent figure in the industry. Now, with a remarkable skill set and extensive experience, his work has garnered widespread recognition and critical acclaim. He has written, produced, and directed four feature films, and his films have won numerous awards including Best Feature, Best Actor, and the Best of Festival, and have created a wave of audience appreciation. Now, drawing from his 25 years of award-winning television production experience, Tracy Trust has expanded his horizons into fundraising for the world's top nonprofit organizations. His expertise in creative strategy and television short-form and long-form production have benefited esteemed clients such as Shriners Hospital for Children, the American Red Cross, the March of Dimes, and many more. Now, through his unparalleled contributions, Tracy had played a vital role in raising awareness and support for these noble causes. And we're here today to discuss his newest project called American Homecoming. And this television project stands out from the crowd with its genuine significance and universal appeal. Inspired by hit series like Fixer Upper, While You Were Out, and Extreme Home Makeover, this remarkable show adds a patriotic twist that sets it apart. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome visionary filmmaker Tracy Trost to the show. Welcome, Tracy. Welcome. Well, thank you. That's a, a pretty impressive sounding introduction. I appreciate that. Well, you're very welcome, and I hope it uh, matches that trophy case behind you. Well, you know, we got a little things that we're proud of in life, I guess, you know. Well, it, it shows that you've done some stellar work. So my first question to you is, how did you get into filmmaking? Oh, my gosh. You know, this is one of those, uh, I would call it, I like to say life lesson things. When I was in my early 40s, I was, I had a, a production company, but we did direct mail. In the time I was doing direct mail for uh, Dish Network and Direct TV doing great work and had a great team and things were going well, but there's still that little bit of an itch. And I've always been a storyteller as a person. And, uh, I, you know, was, I wanted to, to change people's lives or at least somehow affect people's lives through the art of storytelling. And, and the great way to do that, of course, is television and movies. And I was meeting with my team and I was talking to them about vision and talking to them about, um, you know, trying to fulfill their lives with who they are. And I asked them all a question at, at a team. My my upper management was about 15 people. And, you know, I asked that question. If you could do anything you, you wanted to, and, you know, money weren't an issue, failure, what you know, you knew you'd succeed, what would that one thing be? And we kind of went around the table and there was some people, like one said, I'd like to be a photographer and others said, I'd like to be a massage therapist. And there's many different things. And I said, okay, so then, the next question is, what are you doing on a daily basis to get there? Because to get from point A to point B in life, it's a journey. And in that journey, like if I want to fly from Oklahoma to California, I've got to, I've got to arrange a ride to the airport. I've got to get a ticket for that. I've got to pack my bags. I've got to plan for the trip. I got to do some research on, you know, what's the weather going to be like? What am I going to do when I get there? 
got to arrange for a place to stay. So there's all these different steps that happen into just doing something as simple as taking a trip. But many people, when they look at their lives, they don't take that same attention to here's where I am now and here's where I want to go. What are the steps I have to take to get there? And so I asked that question, of course, and most people, when they get that question asked them, they're like, oh, I'm just living my life. I'm just doing what I do every day. But then one of my team members took and turned it on me and said, if you could do anything you wanted to do, be anybody you wanted to be, money were an issue, failure were an option, what would it be? And I knew, I didn't even have to think about it. I said, I'd be a filmmaker. I'd be a, I'd be that. And then, of course, that person said, so what are you doing on a daily basis to get there? And I said, you're fired. Get out of here. You know, but, <laughs> but honestly, it was one of those wake up moments where I'm like, what am I doing? You know, I have a great business. I have a, a great life. I have five wonderful children, a great wife. Everything's good. But I am not living my dream. I'm not doing what I believe that I was created to be, you know, to affect the world with positive change through the art of storytelling. And so I took that. That was in my early 40s. I'm in my upper 50s now. And that was the change. And I eventually ended up selling that business a few years later and focusing solely on storytelling through, you know, visual medium, meaning uh, it could be commercials, could be long form half hour shows, television shows or films. And uh, I'm, it was a it was a big shift in believing who I was. I remember the first time somebody said, you know, what do you do for a living? And typically my answer would back then would have been, well, I own a marketing company or I have a direct mail company or something. I remember the first time I said, well, I'm a director. It just felt weird to say it because I didn't, I didn't know if I even saw myself as that yet. And uh, now it's become, you know, reality in my life. So it's easy to say, you know, I say I'm a producer slash director. Well, which came first for you, television production or feature film production? Ah, well, I had done some TV before that and dabbled in a few different things and, uh, I did a lot of live television while I had that marketing company. And so um, a lot of live broadcast concerts, events, things like that. So I was had my hand in it, but feature films was the like the, the dream. And so at that point, that's when I started working on my first script and, and um, you know, did a version of that and it was horrible. And then another version was a little less horrible. And then I just kept working my way up till finally we got to the point of a shooting script. And in 2008, we shot that first film called Find Me. And um, I remember in the middle of the shooting of that, we we're day four into it. And if you've ever been on a film set, I mean, it's organized chaos, you know, and you you get you get all set up, you get your lights in place, you get the camera ready to go, all the stuff. And you say action, the actors do their thing, you say cut, and then everybody scrambles to reset to do the shot again. And I remember sitting in the middle of that, watching all this scrambling, all these people moving around. And I, I honestly just started to tear up and I'm like, this is it. This is who I want to be when I grow up, you know? And so feature films were the first thing. And, and uh, then I, you know, did, I don't know how many hundreds and hundreds of commercials for the nonprofits and long form television shows. And now, now American homecoming. No, oh. I've been on the film set before and it amazes me that there's more waiting than yeah. there is filming. And, and a lot of people don't understand that it can, it can take a quite a while to set up a particular shot. You yeah. know, it could be a lighting issue, audio, uh, just getting the right shadow. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. 
Well, but, that's the uh, thing is you're trying to take something that's not real and make it look real, or at least feel real. And that's where very good actors and good directors get involved because it's hard to step in and out of a moment like that, especially if there's a lot of emotion that's tied to it and, and convey that visually with your body and your language and, and how you hold yourself. And um, it, there's an art to it for sure. But yes, there's a lot, there's a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah, there is, def- there is definitely an art to it for sure. Uh, but for you, I mean, what did you learn about producing, let's say, short form television mm-hmm. production, especially in the areas of helping nonprofit organizations increase their exposure as well as increasing their fundraising efforts? Well, if you want to get into the world of fundraising, uh, when I first got into it, uh, the question I had is why? And uh, why is it? When somebody watches one commercial, they decide, okay, I'm going to become a monthly sponsor and supporter and give money to this organization. And then you run a a commercial or a a direct mail piece that's very much like the other one. And yet that one doesn't work. And, And so it really took me on a quest to understand why, what motivates us. And it, it, um, really got me digging into the world of neuro neuropathy and neural studying the neural mind and, why we do and we actually created a uh, a lab called the neural fundraising lab while my tenure and doing that stuff and basically i can take people and hook them up to a machine and i can uh, have galvanic skin response where i can measure the sweat in your hands your heartbeat the expansion of your skin um i can uh oxytocin bands that measure the release of oxytocin into the blood eye tracking so i can see where you're looking how long you spend in a certain spot how long how many times you return to a certain thing uh, what gets people's attention, what doesn't, uh, EEG on the brain, see which parts of the brain that we're stimulating when we share a message with them. And it, it caused me to really dig into, and quite honestly, here's the thing I found out, Ward, um, most of the decisions we make, you have to think about it this way. When From zero to seven years old, our brains are in called theta wave, which is, it's basically the same brain wave pattern you get into when you get under hypnosis. And that is the receiving brain pattern and the and let's if we compare it to a computer the file writing pattern we take information in and we accept it as is true and we build our belief systems off of that so from the age of zero to seven you're for you're conditioning yourself you're formatting your beliefs and writing these truths so that later on in life subconsciously when you're faced with a bit of information your brain goes okay, here's the situation. What do we believe about this? Oh, we believe this. We believe it's good or we believe it's bad. And we make our decision. We think we're consciously measuring the information that's being given to us. And we think that we're making a decision, but quite honestly, most of the, I would say most, I would say 99.9% of the decisions we make are made subconsciously and the external delivery of decision-making is, is formed from the subconscious belief system that we have. So when I was looking at fundraising and trying to understand who my audience is, and this is very important when you are a storyteller and you're trying to persuade people to take information in and, and, and hopefully be moved by what it is you're sharing with them, understanding who your audience is and what they believe is more important than what you believe or what you're trying to share. And I think that's where a lot of younger fundraisers and filmmakers and storytellers miss the mark when they have an audience who has a certain belief system and I'm trying to impose my beliefs into their belief system, but it's contrary to what they believe. So there's a rejection of it. And I think if you can really understand your audience, 
who they are, where they came from, what they believe, what was going on. You know, like in, in fundraising, it's an older audience, 65 years plus. Okay, so what was going on when they were five to seven years old? Because that's really what they're going to identify with. And that's really where they're going to build their belief system from. So the long answer to, to a short question, you know, what I learned from fundraising uh, has helped in my storytelling, especially when I'm writing stories, effective stories, because I'm writing it to an audience with things that they can relate to, things that they can see themselves in mirroring. Uh, I give them information to anchor themselves on so that when it comes time to make a decision, the decision is made before they're even making it because they're subconsciously saying, yes, I identify with this. Yes, I appreciate this. Yes, I can join with this. And they become a donor or a sponsor. And if you're doing a movie, hopefully it's something they go, yes, this is something I, I really like. And many times they, they don't know why they like it, but hopefully it's something that they like enough that they're willing to share about that project with their friends and family you know the best form of advertising is hey have you seen this film you need to you need to see it exactly you know i've always thought about you know filmmaking is an art but you bring up a very strong it's science though yeah that it's also science. you know and I, I used to teach a class on neuro fundraising i called it the the art the, the science behind the art of fundraising because there is the creative element to it for sure but what are you putting into those creative elements? And is it something that your, your audience will, and I used, I used to use the word respond, but I really think the word is trigger because you're, you're flipping switches on them subconsciously that they don't know they're even flipping. And is this something that, can I tell that story or present the information in such a way that those, the switches are flipped and they, you know, they make the choice or decision to act on whatever it is I'm presenting them with. It seems like to me that even in the world of advertising, there's a lot of hit and miss. I mean, most of the time, if a commercial comes on, yeah, a lot of us just go blank. And, you know, during a commercial break, we're grabbing our phone, yeah. flipping real quick for the next 60 to two minutes and moving on. It's rarely if I ever see a commercial that I even remember. Yeah, and that's that's where storytelling has to come in. You know, and if you see some of the fundraising commercials I've done, the whole purpose is I, I don't want it to look like a fundraising commercial because the audience is very well versed in fundraising. They understand that, you know, within milliseconds when a spot comes on, oh, they're going to ask me for money. And your automatic reaction is going to be no, because subconsciously we want to stay with what is safe. We want to stay with what is known. It's kind of like the herd mentality. You know, you stay within the middle of the herd. So the outliers, you know, because those guys get eaten. So yeah, you know, I've, and I've seen your work. And I don't get that sense at all of the asking asking for money part. It's so subtle, but you're also watching the commercial. You're actually not moving your eyes away from the screen. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not finding something else to do until the commercial is over. I did find that about your work. Um, how long, you know, since a lot of commercials, let's say, fall into this, 30 second range. Mm -hmm. uh, how long is a fundraising type uh, commercial on television? Is it normally two minutes? Yeah. Two minutes is kind of the standard. Um, I've seen some as long as five minutes actually. Uh, but then again, everything, this is a business and you're raising funds and there's costs to raise these funds and you have to stay within a certain threshold. So when you start getting longer than two minutes, just the cost of airtime can be, unless 
again, unless the commercial does great and you, you get enough people to sign on that their ROI falls within an acceptable range. That's yeah. true. That's true. Well, let, let's talk about this brand new television program that you have produced called American Homecoming. What is this all about? Uh, you know, American Homecoming is what people would term as a passion project. Um, through the fundraising business I did, I got to work with a lot of veteran service organizations and I got exposed to a lot of veterans and, and a lot of disabled veterans. And there's a, I don't want to call it a plight, but there's a, there's a need for people to know about the veterans and, and some of the things that they, they deal with, especially disabled veterans. And, and, um, but even a veteran, if he hasn't been physically disabled, um, when you, when you leave, when you enter the military, you get trained and they, they know the art of touching the subconscious mind and training people to become automatic. And you become, uh, in, in, for lack of a better word, a killing machine. You know, you're trained to find the enemy, isolate the enemy, either capture or take out the enemy. And, um, that's what you do in war and in the military. So imagine somebody who's been programmed with this type of philosophy and, and way of life. And you're living in a world where it is acceptable to isolate and potentially eliminate an enemy or capture and do whatever. And then your tenure, your term is done. So you do your two or four or six years, whatever it is. And now you're handed back to, and let me say this, I think the even bigger thing that people don't realize is the camaraderie and the brotherhood. Um, I can't tell you how many times I heard veterans say when I was in the military, I was a part of something. I had his back. He had my back. She had my back. They, you know, I had her back. It was a family, but deeper than a family because your life's dependent on each other. And then you're brought back to civilian life. And it's like, okay, thanks. See you later. Go enjoy your life and live amongst people who have never hunted and killed and eliminated or captured an enemy. Quite honestly, many of these people don't even realize there is an enemy. And, um, and now all of a sudden you're on your own and you're with your family who of course loves you very much, but they have no understanding of things you've experienced and seen and, and gone through over the past four to six years. And you're expected to just fit in. And that's where a lot of the isolation and depression, alcoholism, and sometimes suicide come in. And so as I was exposed to these different individuals and hearing their stories and telling their stories, made me realize something's got to be done, you know. And like you said, when you, we are becoming a, a consumer group that consumes information through entertainment. And when we see commercials, especially one that's going to ask me for money, or even something, especially one that maybe is a subject matter I find displeasing, I just shut it off. You grab your phone, you go get food, whatever it is. If you have to watch a commercial, most people don't have to watch them. We, you know, we stream to all these different, uh, subscribe to all these different streamers and we eliminate commercials. So then if that is the case, how do I get something in front of an audience to let them number one, know about it, let them know there's a need, but also hopefully make them want to care about it just a little bit. And my answer to that is entertainment. I, I need to create a source of entertainment that you would want to watch just because it's great entertainment. 
but then also has a moving element to you to it that causes you to say, and it's not that I want to give money because you, you mentioned you didn't feel like I was asking for money. I'm asking you to join with me, to stand with me, to co-labor with me and, and our veterans and do something. So American Homecoming is just that. It's, a, it's an extreme home makeover style show where we meet a veteran, get his or her story, how they were disabled. Why? Number one, why were they in the military? Because there's always a great story there. Why is somebody willing to upend their life, join the military, go fight these battles and then come back? And the patriotism to me is so inspiring most of the times. And most of these people that I've had the chance to interview, it's it's about a sense of patriotism and pride and, and love of country and man and fellow human. And um, so the show is this extreme home makeover style show. We meet the veteran, we get their story. Uh, but what most people don't understand when a veteran returns, especially a disabled veteran, their home doesn't work for them anymore. If they have to live in a wheelchair now, they need ramps, they need wider doorways, maybe automatic opening doors, hardwood floors, uh, a different bathroom that they can use. It's a whole different you know, world to use a bathroom when you're disabled versus not. So we interest, introduce our, our audience to this veteran, get their story, and then we send the veteran and his or her family away for a week and we remodel the home. The veteran thinks I'm gonna get a ramp or they're gonna redo my bathroom. But we come in and we change the entire home and we remodel the entire thing and not only just remodel, but design and make it accessible to them and easy for them to use, but also with a sense of style and flair to it and make it really you know, beautiful and aesthetically pleasing as well. Of course, when they come home, you know, they're completely blown away by it and we get to take part in this as the viewers and, and see this veteran's life changed and, and you have an appreciation for them. I mean, if I've done my job right, I've told you the story enough that you appreciate the veteran, who they are, and you can empathize with them, but subconsciously you're moved by this, you know? Well, and, yeah, because, and you brought up a good point. A lot, the, the, the general public only thinks that a renovation for a veteran is going to be a ramp to the front door hmm. and uh, maybe, making the the bathroom a little bit more accessible and that's as far as it goes but it actually goes far beyond that so yeah. what did you learn in your research about the disability challenges of our wounded veterans what they face when they do come home like you said to a home that doesn't fit their lifestyle anymore yeah and, and i mean their future lifestyle is now going to hold yeah i mean it's, it's basically what you just said there it's just the homes that are are built you know for able-bodied people is the term that they use. You know, it's not, there's not the consideration of even just getting through a doorway. You get you get less than a 36 inch doorway, the wheelchair doesn't go through it easily. Uh, you get into carpeting and it's hard to roll on uh, just coming upstairs, you know. Imagine if your person is going to a house and you have to be carried up by your friends and family to get in and out. And I think even the mental part of it is, you know, there is no real full independence if I can't get in and out of my house on my own, if I can't go to the bathroom on my own. Imagine that, you know, everything you do, you need somebody's assistance to do that. It's it's mentally debilitating as well. So if we can, you know, raise awareness for this. And unfortunately, and, and I, I work with some amazing organizations. And you see in this episode, the pilot episode, uh, a group called DAV, and it stands for Disabled American Veterans, 
they came, they stepped in and, and joined with us on this and helped because um, that's one of their main thrusts, quite honestly. DAV is there for veterans to help them and, and not only and there's a lot of stuff that's unseen because there's there's legislation that's being done and things like that. But these veterans just got to know that they're a part of something. And most of the DAV guys and the chapter guys, you know, are veterans themselves so they can relate and can reach out and can touch these guys' lives and draw them in and, and make them realize, okay, there is there is life beyond the military. It's going to be different, especially as the disabled veteran, but there is a good life there and we can help you discover it and lead you through that. And I've seen that story countless times through my work with DAV and um, and meeting these veterans. So it's, I don't know, it's very, just to be a part of it is just so rewarding and so um, uplifting, you know. Again, I'm, I don't say this just to toot my own horn at all, but I, I say it because it's it's a purpose in life, you know, to help, you know, help to help one other person and then on top of that be a veteran and on top of that be a disabled veteran. Yeah, now for you, I mean, you have this, incredible vast experience in filmmaking um was there any uh challenge in actually filming the pilot for american homecoming oh yeah i mean production is always a challenge but that's what i love about it you know it's uh yeah i'll tell you one of my favorite things about production itself is you're you're bringing together a group of people from all different walks and races and everything in life with one common goal, and that is to create this product, whatever it is, be it a show or a movie. And I mean, like on a, on a film set, I mean, I, I've done mostly, you know, lower budget films. I can have 60 to 70 people on a set. I mean, the bigger ones have hundreds and hundreds of people. On American Homecoming, I think our crew and everybody was, it was pushing like 30 people. And so you're managing this group of people trying to logistically especially in American homecoming, I'm not only trying to film a TV show, but I'm also remodeling a home in five days. And so, uh, you know, you're working with the contractors and the designers, uh, Dave, our master craftsman, you know, and then we're also telling the story of this veteran. And then Cece, one of our hosts is running out and helping another veteran. So the show was, you get to see the ups and downs and all the, the challenges of remaking this house and some of the things that we ran into. But um, I mean, being on set, it's my happy place in life. You know, I do everything I can to be on set. <laughs> well, how did you find Jack Jack Maxwell as host? I've I've known Jack. Mm -hmm. Jack is just an amazing person, but he's got a great heart, and I think it was a perfect fit for American Homecoming. Yeah, I mean, I don't think American Homecoming American Homecoming could be what it is without Jack Maxwell. Um, I met him. So it's funny. I was working with the actor, Joe Montaigne, uh, for DAV. We were shooting some commercials and I was telling Joe and his partner, his production partner, a little bit about American Homecoming. And, uh, you know, they loved the idea and all that. And I was at the time thinking maybe I could get Joe to be a host on it. You know, that'd be great. And uh, but Joe just he was doing uh, all the different what the new Criminal Minds was just coming. He was just starting that and he had his other shows. He just did not have the time. Uh, but he said, you know, I know this guy, Jack Maxwell, he'd be great. And so he did the introduction and, you know, so I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I don't know this guy. And I didn't watch booze travelers. So, you know, I wasn't super familiar and I had a call with Jack and Jack was just so humble and so nice. And he was like, Hey, whatever I can do to help, just let me know. And I've heard that before. And he's like, okay, yeah, sure. Whatever. 
And then I called him back to ask him a question. He's like, hey, I'm here. Just call me anytime. And we just kind of built a friendship. And then I, I watched a bunch of episodes of Booze Traveler. I'm like, you know, this guy's really good at what he does. And so I said, Jack, would you be? And he's, man, I'd be an honor. He says, I'll do whatever you need me to do. Anything I do to help make this thing happen. And I tell you what, he jumped in. And in most cases, I have to do a lot of prep um, for uh, for the show and writing. And typically, I would write everything that uh, is going to be done. With Jack, it was different because I started writing for him, and I realized uh, he's so creative already. He didn't need that. And so all the things that you see, the speeches and the different things that he says and does in the show, it's pretty much all him. And I learned, and that's, I think, as a director, you got to realize you got to create a space for your talent to thrive and be creative. And uh, me stepping back some and just letting Jack be Jack was the best thing for him and for the show. So he, so whatever he said was not based on a script. It was basically just him really, well, in this case, really from the heart. Yeah, and it is. And Jack is sincere. And none of that, nothing you see on that show is acting. He truly was sincere about everything he said in the interviews with our, with our veteran. And, you know, we were, you know, I would give direction like, here's where we're at in the show. This is what's happening. We need a speech to get the troops excited. Boom. And he'd go away and we get everything set up and he'd come back and he'd, he'd deliver his, his speech. And I, he'd be like, what do you think? And I, you know, I'd have like maybe one or two notes, but he pretty much did it all on his own. So, and so I, I have to say, through American homecoming, getting to know Jack and calling him a friend and quite honestly, creative partner in this show has been one is, is one of the very highlights for me as a, as a producer, as a, a creative, because he's just a really, really good guy. I, I love him. Yeah. I've, I've had the opportunity to interview Jack Maxwell twice and, um, and yeah, he, he he himself has an incredible story, but he does have that talent that works so well for shows like this. I mean, if any of you out there have ever seen Booze Traveler, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. The way Jack interacts with real people, he just has this knack for it that just comes so easy. And uh, And I think with American Homecoming... Like you said, it, when he steps away, you're getting the job done. And then when it's time for him to come in, I think part of that, that surprise effect that when he, if, when he sees it for the first time, yeah. you know, it comes out so natural yeah. um, that the, the television viewership is just drawn in and they have that same heartfelt feeling that Jack is actually truly showing on camera. Yeah, and he does. And and to anybody who's not seen Jack, uh, you'll see a side of him in this show where he he uh, he likes to spit out different puns, uh, you know, dad jokes. And uh, he started doing that as we were filming. And I included a bunch of them in the show just because it was so funny. And I've had a lot of people comment on that because it can be pretty um, it's a pretty serious subject matter. You know, you have a, a disabled veteran who now you know, has to have his house redone so he can live in it. I'm so used to it because I've been around it so much. I, I think I've grown comfortable with it. I didn't realize for somebody who hasn't seen a lot of that, it can be a, a bit off-putting and maybe uncomfortable. But the comments I've gotten is because Jack had lightened the mood a couple of times in the show with some of his humor. 
that it it made it safe to be okay in the show, if that makes sense. So it he, makes complete yeah. sense. I mean, while you were filming and, and even working with, let's say, the contractors, you know, what part of the home is the most challenging to improve for a wounded veteran? The bathroom probably is the is the biggest because that takes the biggest remodel, and you need space. And you know, most bathrooms aren't built for wheelchair access, so trying to you know take out the old bathtub, like you'll see in the episode, you know, and and building a a shower that the veteran can wheel into and and get in and sit on a chair and, and be comfortable. Uh, and then of course, widening doorways is never easy uh, because you you're basically ripping the wall out to do it. Uh, flooring's not that big a deal, you know, because you can pull pull flooring and replace it. Um, lowering counters, lowering cabinets, things like that, you know, for for guys that are stuck in a wheelchair. Um, so there's challenges all the way around. I can say it's been a huge learning experience for me. My research for the show, you know, I went to a lot of people's homes that have adaptive homes just to see what are the, and what are because the, there's a lot of things that people say, oh, you got to do this and this, this or this, but then actually talking to someone who lives in that kind of home and needs it, what's really important to them. And so it's getting that research and, and doing that. Yeah. Well, with a lot of these homes, let's say, um, let's use, for example, there was uh, Extreme, Home, Extreme Home Makeover, Fixer Upper, uh, Property Brothers, the list goes on. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that when they're watching those shows, um, it's actually an hour long infomercial. They just don't know it. Yeah. Or doesn't know it. Overall. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of corporate help, mm -hmm. corporate support. Do you have any type of that corporate? Uh, branding. Uh, we're working on that now. Homecoming? Uh, yeah, we're working on that. I mean, that's one of the reasons for interviews like with you is, you know, we've got to get the word out and get people watching the show. That's the most important thing. The more views we can get, the more viable it becomes. And then I can get those corporate sponsors involved. So it's kind of interesting because part of our journey, since we're doing this kind of grassroots is people are kind of following along. If you go to the website, AmericanHomecoming.tv, there's an area there where you can sign up to be a delegate. Basically, a delegate is somebody who's on the inside track. We share behind-the-scenes stuff. We share information about how we're, you know, coming along with development of the show, and we ask basically, you know, please share. You know, please tell your friends and family if you watch the show, you enjoyed it. Please share uh, with your friends and family and ask them to watch it because the more views it gets, the the better chance I get at getting those sponsors and getting it made, so we can do seasons of it versus just the pilot. Now, has the show been picked up by a television network yet? No, but we really aren't trying to push that, quite honestly. Um, I mean, if we get into the nuts and bolts of of television viewership and ownership, you know, it, in the day it used to be create a show, get it on a network, and then it, you know, becomes a hit. Uh, but audiences aren't loyal to really networks anymore. They are to streamers per se, uh, but it's more about the content. So if you can build a show and build an audience behind the show and have communication with that audience, then, then you have a win because I have an audience who likes what I create, wants more of what I create. And when I create it, then I have an audience that's consuming it. So I have that built in, but you know, the moment say I, I, I put it on a network TV, the moment I don't make that show there, I don't, when I walk away as the creator and the owner, I don't have access to that audience anymore because it's the network's audience. So it's important as a creator and a business person to get the audience, build the audience, and then communicate with that audience. Yeah, and the veteran community is extremely large. Mm -hmm. And and that community is passionate about what we're 
we're doing with American Homecoming. So it's just getting people to take action and move. You know, everybody wants to support, but you know, do they actually get online or do they actually tell their friends about it? You know, so it's it, the big thing is just getting people to take action. Well, That's, one of the things, Tracy, that I loved when I watched the pilot, and and ladies and gentlemen, this is a show that needs to be seen. But I'm gonna be honest; it needs to be seen by everybody in America. I would for like the that. fact. <laughs> Yeah, because for the fact that when I watched the pilot, Tracy, it helped me to understand what our wounded veterans actually have to go through. And one of the the biggest blessings to give them is a feeling of independence. Mm -hmm. And by renovating a home that they live in gives them that independence because, you know, like you said, it it's mentally challenging to know that you have to have somebody around you at all times to depend on, but there are ways to where they don't have to depend on uh, someone around them if their home is built correctly and built for their type of disability that they can move around and do things uh, for themselves because that's a great uh, positive to their mental health. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, maybe you don't know this, but you know, 22 veterans per day commit suicide. And yeah. The number is actually more in the fifties. You know, that's an old number. People don't wow. realize the more, more information has been gathered and shared. It's, it's actually higher than that. And yeah. And for, for me, what I liked about the, the pilot Tracy and one reason why I want to see this become a great success is that it keeps our veterans in the forefront of our life, the forefront of our minds, because they're the ones that fought for the freedom that, well, millions of us literally take for granted each and every day. And we need to realize what it cost and what it cost to those who've actually served. And mm -hmm. uh, we need to be uh, cheering them on every single day and not to forget them. Yeah. And the important thing, I think, too, with American Homecoming is the show will not make you feel guilty uh, because you don't know this information and because this is happening. And that's one thing I always want to avoid is my viewer feeling a sense of guilt. I want them to feel a sense of, like, say, collaboration, that they want to be a part of something, that they want to celebrate along with the 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 person in the show versus feel bad because of this or feel sad because of this because quite honestly most of the veterans who are working through this stuff they don't feel sad for themselves so yes there is a, a high mortality rate with suicide which is very sad because they weren't able to find a way to work through that loneliness and depression and many times alcoholism but there are a lot of veterans who are you know because of organizations like DAV who are working through these situations and getting the help that they need and I want to celebrate those things and make veterans because uh, there are a lot of veterans just feel like they're supposed to be strong. I'm, I'm this, I'm this warrior and I'm supposed to be strong and I'm supposed to be able to handle this stuff. And I think to come to the point where it's like, oh, sometimes we all need help in one way or another. And speaking back to the show, you talked about uh, the story. And I think the thing that I've had to learn as a storyteller is there's the story that you tell, but then there's a story behind the story. And like American Homecoming, the story that we tell is a veteran who needs help and is met by this group and the house is renovated and they come back home and they're, they're, you know, blown away and, and enjoy this house. The story behind the story is, uh, at least in this case, 
the relationship between the veteran and his, and his girlfriend and how that has carried him through to be who he is today. And then something that happens, and I don't want to give it away, but something that happens within the show between them. And that's the, that's the remover. I think that's the thing that makes you go, gosh, I want to come back for more of this show. Cause it's very, it's very inspirational. It's very moving. And it, it makes, I hope when you're done, it makes you feel good. Not only about the veteran and what's happened, but about yourself, you know, watching it, the show. it does Tracy. And that's the thing that I noticed when I watched the pilot, uh, there is no sense of sadness. Uh, there's a great feeling of hope. Um, you can't wait to see what is accomplished with the renovation, but there's never that, that moment of feeling sorry. Um, you're really kind of cheering them on. But at the same thing, one, one of the things that I loved is I feel that for the viewer, they themselves will want to rise up that if that maybe they have a next door neighbor who is a disabled veteran that yeah. they want to, they want to uh, go to their next door neighbor and do something uh, positive to help them. So I see this type of show uh, kind of uh, expanding its territory uh, amongst, you know, the, the thousands uh, of communities across the United States. You uh, hope to help them. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's my goal at the end is that anything that I create after you've watched it, you go away, hopefully inspired and I'm, and I don't want to say it in a, in a way it's bad, but, you know, hopefully inspired to want to be a better person. Not that you're a bad person, but hopefully it makes you go, yeah, I never thought of it that way. I didn't know this information or gosh, I want to be a part of that or gosh, I want to do something different, you know, and that's, I mean, that's the whole goal of, of, of what, what I'm doing as a storyteller. Well, where can everyone go to support American Homecoming? The best way to do it is, is go to AmericanHomecoming.tv. That's the website. On the website, you'll see all kinds of information. You can watch the full episode. Uh, there is the delegate uh, page sign on. And then there's all kinds of information about the cast and crew and, and what we're doing. And again, the, the biggest thing is getting eyeballs on the show, getting people to watch it and talk about it and share it with their friends and family. So my only ask of your audience is, you know, Please go to AmericanHomecoming.tv, watch the show, and if you enjoyed it, become a delegate, and uh, then you know tell your friends and family and ask them to watch it as well, and share yep. it, share it, share it. Uh, yeah, post. amen to that. And uh, so again, ladies and gentlemen, head over to American Home AmericanHomecoming.tv, watched the pilot. Believe me, I've seen it. It is absolutely wonderful. Uh, for me, it needs to be on television. We need to see see this type of show. Uh, I'm thinking of, of Ward. I had a friend who watched it, and he texted me back. And I, I'm trying to remember. He said that'll make a glass eye tear up. He said, <laughs> <laughs> "Now, now that sounds like something Jack Maxwell would say." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, but again, ladies and gentlemen, go to AmericanHomecoming.tv, watch the pilot, but at the same time, sign up as a delegate. I mean, all of every single one of us knows a veteran who has served our country. They may be wounded or they may not be wounded, but we need to continue to support them. And Tracy, what's next for you on the horizon? Well, that's I'm, I'm hoping it's seasons of American homecoming. So right now we're trying to get it out there, get it known, get it seen, and then uh, find the right home for it, be it just online or through a streamer. But 
you know, getting enough eyeballs so that we can raise the funds to create seasons of this. Well, I love that. And Tracy, keep doing the most amazing. I mean, my you are an incredible filmmaker. Um, I don't have to, to say how skilled you are because you are very skilled. I've seen your work. Yeah, uh, kudos it. to you. I, and I think the wall, the, the trophy wall behind you is a testament That's to just an your amazing work. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, head over to AmericanHomecoming.tv. Again, watch the pilot, sign up as a delegate. Let's all work together. And uh, to give you a little taste, uh, we're going to show you the American Homecoming uh, trailer right after this. So that way you get a little taste, but you got to promise me, head over to AmericanHomecoming.tv. I'm going to yell it from the rooftops and the mountaintops until all of you have seen this the, the pilot episode because we need more of this. There are mi millions of veterans who need help with their homes being renovated. And this is the type of TV show that I believe that's going to have a, a tremendous rippling effect. Mm -hmm. And I also want to ask you to do something for not just me, but also Tracy and all the people he, he works with. Pray. Pray for if it's corporate sponsorship or funding people to come together to make this show grow expand and uh, to have millions of eyeballs watch it every single week and tracy i just believe that uh, the lord's going to bless your efforts and endeavors because this is one thing that the bible says he always looks for those things that uh he blesses those things he he approves of and I think the Lord absolutely approves of this project. This one might check a couple boxes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So, ladies and gentlemen, again, AmericanHomecoming.tv. Again, watch the pilot. Sign up as a delegate. And as for me, well, I will see you next time. But we're going to show you the trailer for American Homecoming. Thank you. Hi, my name is Jack Maxwell. And I'm the host of a new show called American Homecoming. You see, when our veterans come home from the battlefield, they often face new challenges. For a disabled vet, that could mean accessibility, mobility, which makes it pretty difficult to get around the house. Well, that's where we come in. With our team of experts and partners, we renovate the house. We put in ramps and hardwood floors. We widen doorways. We make bathrooms larger and more accessible. We bring in new furniture and appliances, fresh paint, and custom woodworking. What better way, after all, for all of us to say thank you to all of them? And each one has a unique and fascinating story they're willing to share with us and the audience as we get to know them as people, real human beings, not just soldiers. You see, we think it's an honorable mission to try and give some freedom back to our brave men and women who lost a part of theirs defending ours. What has happened to my house? Together, we can give them the American homecoming they deserve. Everybody come on and celebrate!
I hope you join us. If so, I'll see you soon.